Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can't believe it. This is season 10 of our longest running SAP Game Changers show, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Kudos to our sponsors of this long running show, Chris Grundy, Birgit Starmans, and Pras Chatterjee at SAP. Let's see what we're talking about today. I've got three panelists ready to share their knowledge and their insights with us. So here's what we're going to be talking about. FP&A, okay, financial planning and analysis. You've all heard that term on the show for many years. Used to hold all the cards. They had all the data at their fingertips. Nowadays, valuable data resides across the business. This is important. It's a battle to find out who has the best data, much less what this data is. Otherwise, a vacuum will develop that smart executives will fill up with their own data. Of course they will. The CFO has to be on top of information flow at all times. This was a quote I found from Mark Parton, P-A-R-T-I-N, the CFO of Blackline, quoted at teampay.co. Let me give you a little more background before I ask my three esteemed panelists to introduce themselves. The recent FP&A Trends 2021 survey, that's recent, highlights that many FP&A practitioners struggle to create time to work on value-added activities. Just let that sink in for a second. From the most senior to the novice FP&A practitioners, there is still too much time spent on non-value-added tasks. Now, if you all in our listening audience think about it, you probably know what these are, but I'll give you a few. Gathering data, excess time providing meaningful insights, and having trust in the data. Oh my. So how does FP&A overcome these challenges? We've got three FP&A experts here today, and they're going to share their insights and in how easily the available yet disruptive technologies such as AI, that's artificial intelligence and ML, machine learning, integration tools, and an XP&A, we'll explain that, extended planning and analysis process can help bring FP&A practice to the top of the ladder when it comes to driving your organizational wide decisions. I'm going to ask my panelists for those who eventually see us on the recording, the video, Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospec. Jeff is back. Hi, Jeff. So many times over the years, always happy to see when when Jeff speaks people lean over and say oh Jeff is speaking <laughs> we know that and we have a newcomer here we have Hans Gobin Hans wave for the camera at plan to plan consulting and on the spot accountants two different companies he'll explain that welcome Hans and another returning guest Floyd Conrad at SAP hello Floyd and our hello. topic is data the road to value add for FP&A. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, Bonnie in the house. Happy to be here. Let's go around the table. Jeff Hattendorf, welcome back. You know the drill. Please introduce yourself briefly. Three minutes will be great. I don't think you can fit everything in three minutes, but do your best. And in that three minutes, Jeff, share with us what's your passion for our topic, data as a value add for FP&A. Jeff, welcome back. Three minutes. I don't even like to talk about myself for three seconds. So <laughs> oh, I had it backwards, but force yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm one of the founders of Macrospect uh, for the about the past 20 years. And it's been longer than that, but I don't want to give my complete age away. <laughs> We've been helping really big companies, multinational, multi-billion dollar enterprises with corporate financial planning, consolidations, and analytics. As a professional nerd, and I, I say that proudly. I, I'm a nerd wrangler these days more than putting my hands on the keyboard. But I get really excited about the things that we can do with these new tools. You know, when I first started my career 25 years ago in this space, everything was about Excel. And here I'm in 2021. We're on the brink of 2022. And <laughs> the most useful feature in all these new tools is still export to Excel. So while I'm really excited, I'm a little bit frustrated at times. That quote that you gave from the Blackline CFO is kind of right. I think what that CFO is missing is 80% of the data that his company owns is unused. It's dark. No one's using it. And so we're, we're, we, we get it. I get excited about all the things we can learn if we just let the machines in to do more of the work for us because people don't have the time or even the interest to understand all of that data and how it might provide value to the enterprise. Very, very interesting, Jeff. 
80% of the data isn't used. I had never heard quite that high a number and let the machines in. That's actually a good title for a future show, isn't it, Jeff? FP&A, let the machines in. <laughs> who, let the, who let the machines out? Who let them in? That's the question. Thank you very much. Maybe we need to invite Mark Parton to come on the show and, and, and debate about data and the exporting still to Excel. Maybe that would be a topic as well. We'll, we'll talk to Chris and Birgit and Pras about doing a show on that. We'll see if we can get him on. Thank you so much, Jeff. Let's go to Hans Gobin, our newcomer here in Financial Excellence with Game Changes. Hans, please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our live listening audience on Voice America Business Channel and also share your passion for the topic, FP&A and data. Hans, welcome. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, um, audience. Uh, yeah, great to be here today. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, qualified accountant, uh, partner director at uh, Plan to Plan Consulting and uh, also running a practice. But I think the passion for the subject matter today really comes from the FPNA board we've been running over the last almost 10 years now. Um, international, 27 different uh, chapters around the world in 16 countries. And of course, traveling around the world um, and listening to over 20,000 members around the issue with data. Yeah, you absolutely, uh, you know, can correlate, can relate uh, exactly to what Jeff uh, mentioned. A lot of time is spent digging in the data. Very, very little time is spent doing the value add stuff. So uh, this is where, you know, we have to really push the boundary and help organization to move to that le next level and just make sure their data is right so they can go on to make real good decision-making. So that's a little bit about me, uh, Body. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm thinking while you're speaking, there used to be a quote, water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. I don't know the source. <laughs> we can change that to data, data everywhere and no time to think. That's Ooh. true. Yeah, uh, you, you like that's that? True. I do. I do. Yep. Can we coin that one? <laughs> Bonnie D. Bonnie D in the house thinking today. There you go. I don't know Do why we have to wait till you die, Bonnie, or can we go ahead and coach you now? <laughs> well, that's an interesting thought on live radio, Floyd. Speaking of whom, our next guest is the very jovial and right on top of it, Floyd, Floyd Conrad. Floyd, welcome back. It's been, I think, a couple of years since you've been on a show with me, and I'm, I think... I think I'm glad to have you back. So <laughs> you think <laughs> they don't? They don't? They don't know what we said before we went on That's, air today. That, I forgot about that. that I was, forgot about a, that. That was a private conversation. Anyway, I'm going to stick around for a little while just just to make good on my my quote. We have to get it coined somewhere. Floyd Conrad, welcome back officially from Financial Excellence with Game Changers. <laughs> Same drill, Floyd. Introduce yourself and a little bit about your passion for the topic, please. Welcome back, Floyd. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. I forgot that uh, that was uh, off. <laughs> you're, on, you're on speaker view. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Hey, uh, my name is Floyd Conrad. I'm part of SAP's Global Center of Excellence, uh, focusing on planning and analysis. I've been in the space now 30 plus years. I don't want to give out my age either, Jeff. Uh, but I have been doing this now for quite a while. So uh, prior, I've been at SAP about eight years. Prior to that, I was at another software company for about 13 years. But even prior to that, more importantly, I was actually a financial executive at a financial services company. So I've dealt with these issues now, especially data, for 30 years. And uh, 30 years ago was a different issue. It was just really getting access to the information. You know, everything was done in silos. Um, we were on mainframe systems. So, you know, nowadays, you know, I, I like the uh, percentage that Jeff brought up. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of data, but, you know, one of the things that I always say is like, you know, do you know how to use that data, right? So uh, if you're in planning or financial planning, you know, one of the things you might be looking at is HR data, you know, but you know what data there is going to help with the uh, overall plans. You know, I've always said that all numbers eventually lead to finance. So whether you're in HR, sales, marketing, whatever, you know, you need to get this this information um, back to finance, but it has to be meaningful, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so look, looking forward to today's topic, and I think it's important for really, you know, all financial pro uh, professionals to, you know, understand, but, you know, how to use the data. 
Thank you. And this all goes back to a theme. Uh, I know Jeff will recall this on so many of our shows over the years, Jeff. We've talked about the fact that the CFO, the finance department, the finance team, they're not just sitting in the basement with the eye shades and the green banker's lamp anymore, looking over their shoulder at historical data in those spreadsheets. They mm-hmm. are now becoming the stewards, the guides of the business. They are valued members of the C-suite at the table, looking forward with fingertip, at their fingertip analytics, having insights, having real-time data. And to do that, they need to have that data, right? The right data, the right time, the right place. And they need to know what it is saying, what it's speaking. So value add to me in the context of our financial excellence series is not just the data, but it's where does the CFO and the finance team sit in the importance of leading a business. Anybody want to agree or disagree with me before we move on? Jeff, am I good on that? You're you're right on point, but I think that there's more to it. It's Mm -hmm. so Bob Cratchit working for Scrooge. All he had was a little bit of a book with some numbers in it. That was the end of the tally. Now we have so much data. We're drowning in it. Yes. We need lifelines. Yep. And that's where we are with trying to sort through the value add of using the data and and harnessing it, if you will. So let's go to the part of the show next where my guests, I'm I'm really enjoying the three of you. Not only are you charismatic, but you're also very smart. I know we're going to give a lot of value to our listeners today. Jeff Hattendorf, you're up first. Jeff has sent me a quote. And for the listeners, if you're new, well, my goodness, where have you been all these years? This is the part of the show where I've asked my guests in advance to send me a quote from a fictional TV or movie character or a song lyric that's one of their favorites that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And in their own words, they're going to creatively, poetically, philosophically, prosaically, however their style is, tell us how it does relate to the topic. So we'll learn more about them and the topic. Jeff Hattendorf has picked a quote from Willy Wonka, played by Gene Wilder. The movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971 film. And by the way, just so you know, it was adapted from the 1964 novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Raoul Dahl, D-A-H-L, and it was Raoul Dahl's birthday yesterday. And on the calendar of, of U.S. national holidays and international holidays, it was Raoul Dahl Day in honor of his birthday. He's been gone many years. And he was also wow. an Air Force fighter pilot. I don't know if you know that. And uh, mm-hmm. he had a very creative burial with a power, power saw and I think his flight wings and chocolate on in, inside the coffin. His family honored all of the things that he had done in his lifetime. But let's get to the quote. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man. Oh, Jeff, that's a good quote. What in the world does it have to do with FP&A and finance professionals? Thrill us. Go ahead. <laughs> well, so <laughs> right before Willy Wonka says this, one of the dads in the show mumbles something. Oh, it's a lot of nonsense because he doesn't like all the noise and the rest. And that, that particular scene popped to mind when I read the, the trend or the topic for this show. We live in this world, and I touched on it a little bit so far, where we have so much data. It's, it's going to be 175 zettabytes. I had to look up the definition of zettabytes. Just know it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> for most corporations, 80% of their data is dark and a large percentage of that dark data, which means they simply don't use it, is locked away in spreadsheets they can't get to. And after doing this for 20 years, whether it's, I won't name client names, because I don't want to make them feel self-conscious, but it's brand names you've heard of. Their favorite feature in any tool is still export to Excel. Sure. To me, the export to Excel is some of the nonsense that we continue to to live with in the world of FP&A. When we're, we have all of this data, we, if we just knew how to, to, if we just worked with this data, if we let the machines in, that data becomes actionable information, which helps us become better in planning and predicting our futures. The, the Excel is, a, is the would of FP&A. It, it plays a role, but it's too big a role still to this day. Thank you very much. And I have the definition you were looking for. A zettabyte, Z-E-T-T-A-B-Y-T-E, is a digital unit of measurement. One zettabyte is equal to one sextillion bytes or 10 to the 21st power bytes. Or one zettabyte is equal to a trillion gigabytes. You happy uh-huh. with that, Jeff? Okay. That's yes. a big That's a big number. I just... <laughs> 
thought you, I just wanted to remember how fast I was on the look up here. Thank you very much. Hans Gobin, we're ready for your quote. You sent us a quote that people think is, it comes from the writings of Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland, the Alice in Wonderland, the, the, the novels, the fantasy stories. But actually, the belief is that it was said by the White Rabbit character in the Disney film, Alice in Wonderland, and in Tim Burton's Alice movies. Okay, so Lewis Carroll, we wish you had said it, but it came later on, and we're still happy with it. And here's the quote. It's a lovely quote. The hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Hans, how does this relate to our topic? Go ahead. I think what we need to do here, Bonnie, is to just step back and, and rethink what we're saying here. Of course, the hurrier we go, the behinder we get. Why this quote? I think it's just to highlight that organization uh, in a lot of their transformation today do not really have a proper strategy on data. Uh, new technologies coming in left, right and center. And what we tend to do is to take old processes and put it in new technology. So uh, another key data coming out of this survey as well um, of the FPNA trend survey is um, seven percent of organizations are happy with their technology why because it's been badly implemented you know the processes that were broken have been taken into new technologies as well so what happens in the end of course it becomes a black box it makes things worse. so what do we need to do we need to really think about our plan what is that data plan what is that transformation plan think about it and implement if the processes are broken let's fix it and then we move on to implement it so it's not always that we've got to push it through we've got to sit back think strategically and then move on uh, piece by piece so it's not always in hurry and then we'll get there Hans, thank you. I have a question for you. We say we have to fix it. We have to know it's broken. We have to put the data that's been around and just keeps getting us drowned and more and more in it, right, Jeff? We have to put it into new processes and new tools. Who is the we? Is this the CEO? Is it people on the CEO's, CFO rather, the CFO's yeah. finance team? Who is the person who's in charge of saying, whoops, this is broken. We got to do something. Who, who does that? I think, that of course, the end responsibility at the moment lies with the CFO. But I think when I'm talking, we, it's basically the FPNA uh, team, the team that is in charge of the data, the team that is in charge of information. It could be very different in very different organization. But I would really call it the FPNA team, to be honest, to start off with. Uh, but yeah, fully agree that the end buck lies with the CFO. So uh, he's in charge of it. Thank you very much. He or she is in charge of it. Yeah. They are in charge of it. We got to yeah. do that. Let's move on. Floyd Conrad has sent us a wonderful quote. Five little words. Pack a punch. Let me give you a little background. Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, USMC, played by who else? Jack Nicholson, screaming in the video clip. I love this, Floyd. I'm not going to re read it with the scream. The movie was A Few Good Men, 1992, American legal drama. But what's interesting, it was based on Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play of the same name. And it was a courtroom drama. And it came, the inspiration came when he was on the phone with his sister, Deborah. This is Aaron Sorkin. She graduated from Boston University Law School, and she signed up for three years with the U.S. Navy Judge Advocate General Corp. That's JAG. For those of you who remember the TV show, that's JAG. She was going to Guantanamo Bay to defend a group of Marines who came close to killing a fellow Marine in a hazing ordered by a superior. Sorkin wrote the story on cocktail napkins while bartending at the Palace Theater on Broadway. His roommates and he had purchased, everybody listen up, a Macintosh 512K. Anybody remember the 512K? When he got home, he emptied his pockets of the cocktail napkins and typed them into the computer, and that formed the drafts for the play A Few Good Men, which became the movie years later. So here's, and this may be a part of what the, the description of the quote is, you can't handle the truth. And that's the truth about how Aaron Sorkin came to write the play. Freud, what, Floyd, cool. what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <coughs> Freud works too, so. <laughs> <laughs> I answer to most things. Um, I just love this quote. I, I, I think it relates to uh, our personal life, but also to business. I mean, so many people ask questions and especially say in the uh, our business arena, right? So, you know, people are always asking, you know, you know, why did, you know, sales go X percent? 
you can give the answer, but a lot of times they don't really want the real answer. They want validation what they think is the answer. So, you know, that's why I always say it's like you can't handle the truth because if you do tell them the truth, a lot of times they're just kind of looking at you like, okay, maybe, maybe not, you know, let me ask it a different way. And I'm just always going, you just ask the same question, but just a different way, right? So, you know, it's just really kind of, you know, with, with data now, you know, big data, I think part of the issue as Jeff brought up is that if 80% of it's dark, you know, why aren't we using other tools like AI, you know, artificial intelligence to help with, you know, sorting through that so we can find out what's meaningful. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you, all three of you, for your excellent quotes. Very, very good choices. Jeff Hattendorf, you're up next. We're going to start our deep dive into the roundtable part of the show where you've each sent me four statements. Jeff, I'm looking at your statement number one. I think we'll start here unless you have a great disagreement with me. Let's kick off statement number one. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to read the statement. It's brief but has a real punch to it. I'm going to ask Jeff to spend a couple minutes expanding it or, as they say on the news, let's unpack it. And then I will invite Hans, who is virtually sitting and virtuously sitting right next to Jeff, to please agree. Agree or disagree with Jeff. Take your three minutes of thought leadership time, Hans, and then I'll invite Floyd Conrad in to talk to both of you about what Jeff and or what Hans said. So here's what Jeff's statement number one is. Broadly speaking, FP&A remains entrenched in planning processes that are disconnected, and more time is spent collecting and aggregating data than analyzing and planning. XP&A is the dream but planners are reluctant to, quote, give up control. That's a packed statement, Jeff. A lot of provocative comments in there. Why don't you unpack it for us? Go ahead. All right. So in the first part of this statement, and again, not indicting anyone by name, but we're wrapping up a client project now, and we are changing their platform. Their new platform has predictive capabilities. It has machine learning. It has a, some layers of AI. Their number one criteria was the tool we hate. Can you just make this new tool do what the tool we hate did? Oh, and can you make it work with Excel? Oh, we're not, we're not doing anything to pull in data from their operations. So we're not getting into extended planning and analysis. I think that's a term that was, uh, or a phrase that was coined by Gartner or one of the big research firms. So we go, we're going from FP&A to XP&A, which is the dream but we're not able to get there. We're still stuck on the office of the CFO, particularly the FP&A department. And it's not everybody, but the vast majority of those people, particularly if they're over 35, we love our Excel. Our Whoopi is Excel. I want all my data in Excel and I want to do the planning. Um, there's also some, some hesitance to put, put the data, which means the information and the power of, or the hands of the end users I want to collect from them and I want to go do the plan. I want to tell the world what our numbers are going to look like. But that's not the same thing as at the point where the operation takes place. Let those people plan their operation, then do the math to see the financial implications of that, and then use that to drive your communications to the world as the real world happens around you. We can't quite get there. And I think there's a little bit of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I call it FUD, and I probably picked that up somewhere along the way. But this FUD is what holds us back time and time again. And it's, it's not, we, we don't live in a perfect world, but we expect perfect results. And when there's this much data that we don't know about, I think it makes people a little bit nervous to move forward. We don't live in a perfect world, parentheses, we're not perfect people, close parentheses, but we expect perfect results. That could be an iconic statement about everything we're talking about. Thank you, Jeff. Let's go around the table. Hans Gobin, you're up next. Agree or disagree with Mr. Hattendorf? Go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, agree, but also I would like to share some of the solutions. I'm sure, uh, Jeff, you guys are trying to push with uh, uh, your client and different organizations. I think um, uh, the, the big barrier is, of course, um, culture. Uh, uh, coming right from the top, but very definitely within finance. So just trying to give up that Excel is a massive ask, uh, uh, absolutely everywhere. So I think what we need to do is to uh, just ensure that the CFO's office and the CFO, and as well as the CEO, there's a lot of CEOs who very much uh, like their Excel, trying to push and standardize uh, reporting rather than Excel. 
the other thing is self-serve as far as reports are concerned to just try and get get away from yeah forget about this new tool but please give us access to it in excel no absolutely not um uh, it, it has to come from the top and xpna is of course one of the biggest um, achievement that we could do uh, because we clearly need to link uh, business plan, operational plan, and go further and link strategic plan all in one process uh, as we move along. So nothing is broken. But you can't do any of that, as Jeff has uh, uh, highlighted, if we're still arguing about and spending so much time just trying to plan something. And of course, then ditch the tool that we've uh, paid so much money for to implement and use Excel instead. So, uh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Very interesting. Floyd Conrad, lots to chew on here. Talk to either or both of your panelists, co-panelists. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much agree with both of them. I mean, you know, one of the things that I still find so hard to understand is that, you know, companies go back and, you know, they'll send out, uh, you know, a request for information and they're, they're looking at a new tool. They want to replace some of these old tools. But all the time, you know, they're just still wanting to see how things happen in Excel. And so sometimes I just want to say, then why am I here? <laughs> if you're going to use Excel, then fine, use Excel, you know. But, you know, there's so many new technologies like with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, you know, let the system go through and um, compute the information. You know, take advantage of what we have today. And, and just, you know, get away from Excel. I mean, hey, I used to call Excel was basically finances crack. I hate to use that term, but, mm. you know, uh, finance gets so entrenched in uh, using Excel. It's just really ridiculous to take it out of their hands. I, I kind of like uh, Jeff's term of will be better than crack, but <laughs> <laughs> it's much softer. Um, you know, it, it's true though. It's like one of these, it's, it's a crutch, you know? Yeah. I mean, I always say, you know, one thing good about Excel, it's flexible. One thing bad about Excel, it's too flexible, you know? So you don't have a lot of integrity if you're just doing everything in the old process, you know, really got to take advantage of what's out there today. Excel's not going to be, be able to handle, you know, the amount of data that's now coming towards us, especially if 80% of that is dark. I, I love that quote. So I'm going to start using that, Jeff. Um, you know, that's definitely, you know, mind blowing. I mean, I knew that, you know, data is an issue because there's so much of it, but I didn't realize how, what percentage is unusable or that we're not even using, you know, but, you know, do I need to have all that data? No, I just need to have what's important for me to do my job. And um, anyway, that's my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you very much. I Now I know why I mistakenly call you Freud because of the, <laughs> let's just leave that one alone. Chris, you'll figure that out if he's listening. Okay. Jeff, this was your topic. Great conversation starter. Would you please anything back to Floyd and or to Hans that they, they agreed or disagreed with you before we move on? So while I prefer to have a little bit more, you know, back and forth, I think we're generally in agreement here. I, I think what's important, if you're listening to this show, this is a this is a people problem, not a technology problem. Sure. And the, the solution starts with the leadership and organizations and getting champions at the lowest level of the organization. What I have found in the last four or five years is that people over 35 won't let go of Excel. So you can keep Excel around, but you've you got to find people from the bottoms up to support this initiative and, and weather the storm of the pushback from the team. Interesting that you said that people over 35 won't let go. I just rehired my landscaper from last year. I live in a, in a neighborhood in Durham, North Carolina, where the ground is mostly clay underneath the little bit of topsoil the builder put in and then five pounds of mulch on top. And things don't grow very well. Brother, how do you think the landscaper sends me the information on which plants he's suggesting? 
and how much each is going to cost and where the discounts are. It's an Excel spreadsheet. It is nine to 12 columns wide. It is about 50 lines deep. There is so much information. I need to take a class in how to read it. Well, you have the volume <laughs> discount and well, this is a replacement, so we're not charging you tax on this. And if it was 10, 10 gallon plants versus three versus two, and here's the, the information for the guy who's gonna actually do the digging and do the planting. He is using Excel. The guy's about 40 years old, Jeff, and this is how he communicates with his clients with a, I'm going to say a damn spreadsheet. <laughs> All I really want is, hey, lady, this is what we're going to do. This is the price. Will you have a check ready? Yes or no. That's all I really want. I have to spend a half hour reading his Excel. So Excel is used far and wider than just the finance department. I just wanted to sure. bring that up. So what I'd like to do is move on next um, to a statement here, Hans Gobin. I'm looking at statement number three. Let's get into some of those new yet disruptive yet helpful technologies. You say organizations where possible need to adopt the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques as soon as possible they will not they will not only find hidden drivers make the forecasting process quicker and more efficient but it will also remove bias from the forecasting process and then you have all kinds of really interesting statistics here i'm not going to read them hans why don't you give us the breakdown and unpack this for us yeah absolutely uh, thank you very much bonnie I think the key thing to look at uh, from um, SAP survey here is that 11% of organizations are currently using AI and ML. Um, to go back to Jeff's point of view of 80% uh, um, data, um, if, I'm, <clears throat> if I'm not uh, uh, mistaken, or we've got so much data at the moment, but we can't make sense of it. This is one of the tools that we should be using. Uh, very definitely, there are so many hidden drivers within our data that we still don't know what it is. So this is one of the tools that we can use straight away. Uh, other, in other parts, organization are, are, are awaiting um, software providers to come up with solutions incorporating AI and ML. That has started to happen, but it's not going to happen sort of straight away. So there are lots of tools out there apart from um, our software providers that can immediately, quickly look at, uh, you know, your data and decipher it and then use that to do predictive planning uh, and analysis. So that makes forecasting process a lot more quicker, but a lot more accurate as well. I've got a very good example um, that, you know, we've seen um, traveling with the FPNA board. Uh, it is to do with Microsoft. Um, Microsoft, of course, we all know, huge organization uses um, AI and ML extensively in revenue forecasting, for example. It now takes a couple of days to forecast their revenue across the world, and it used to, to, to take two to three weeks, wow. and it involves only a couple of people where it used to involve 30 to 40 people across the world. So not just that, the accuracy is also increased by just 2%. But for Microsoft, 2% is huge. So I think there is real benefit. We need to adopt it quickly and we need to try and think, you know, how we can make it work. It will be a learning process. There's no two ways about it in all organization. It may take a long time to put it in as well. But of course, the fruit of the labor will be very sweet. I'm sure of it. Thank you very much. Good conversation starter. Mr. Conrad. Whatever name you want to go by, you're sitting next to Mr. Gobin. So why don't you chime in here? Agree or disagree with Hans? Floyd, I think for the most, yeah, for the most part, I agree with Hans. I mean, you know, data is what it is. So I mean, definitely, you know, there's um, challenges around that. Uh, definitely, I think you know, with this concept of people still wanting to use Excel, um, is you know, it's really kind of crazy. I mean, you know, definitely we need to get, I think Jeff mentioned this, you know, we need to get upper management to support the idea of, you know, using newer technologies like artificial intelligence and AI or ML, machine learning. You know, um, I think it's a great statistic if we can go there and say, you know, hey, a large software company, you know, has reduced their sales planning by X percent. You know, I, I definitely think people will 
listen up and want to know how did they do that? And if it was because, um, excuse me, if it was because, you know, the technology is helping with that, then we need to, you know, show them how that's actually happening. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll throw it back over to. Thank you very Yvonne. much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Jeff, chime in, please. You're next. So we're, we're on the right track. But, but we still live in a world where we're measured quarter to quarter. These, these mm-hmm. publicly traded companies have to hit numbers every quarter. And guess what? When I have to sign my numbers as CFO and in the U.S., SOC says I can go to jail if my numbers are wrong. Mm. I, I want to know what I know. And I don't, I'm not going to take big risks and gamble. We're not going to change in, in the corporate world until there is, there is leadership who is willing to go through two, three, four quarters where there's, there's, a, there's a different set of data and driving your numbers. And Microsoft may be the leader in this. I, I, I didn't get a chance to work with them, unfortunately. But that's the kind of thing we have to have more of. It's, it, it takes a little bit of leadership, a little bit of vision, and a lot of intestinal fortitude. You, being first is not easy. Sure. Thank you very much, Hans. This was your topic. Really good one. Anything you want to say back to them? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with Floyd and uh, and Jeff in the sense that it, it is also a lot of hard work as well because, you know, you will have to work through it. It'll take a lot of time. You may fail before you even start to win. Uh, absolutely. And, and Jeff, as you highlighted, you probably will have to parallel run quite a few times to just make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. things are working in the right sort of direction. You're getting the right sort of numbers and everything else, you know. And once you've got uh, a real confidence in, in what's happening there, yes, you can take away hours and hours worth of work, but also you can start to improve on accuracy because, of course, machine, one, it's, once it's learning, the prediction is a lot better than human inter- intervention. But let's not forget, we still need that 10% worth of human intervention, uh, human intelligence, because we can't just completely put it to a side and just use machine. So, yeah, I will leave it to uh, human intelligence, probably. <laughs> oh, that, that old-fashioned thing called human yeah. intelligence? Real, real people? Oh, my goodness. Remember, humans are the ones who program the algorithms, right? They're the, true. We're the, we're the ones. It all, it all starts here, somewhere here. I want to move on with another topic, and I'm looking at Floyd Conrad's statements. I'm picking number three. I don't think we've gone here yet. You say the cloud. Oh, my. The cloud can be a little scary for finance professionals. Having data in the cloud, and he puts it in quotes, can be a hard concept to accept. But as we can see, most solutions are moving to the cloud. Floyd, unpack this, please. Then we'll go around the table. Sure, sure. My thoughts, my thought process around here was, um, you know, I, I know I went and working with customers and um, the minute you mentioned the cloud, finance professionals are like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want my data in the cloud, uh, mostly on the accounting side, which I can understand because if they're a public company, what happens if somebody hacks the cloud, you know, they'll have access to my financials. Uh Less so on the planning side, but I, I do think, you know, uh, that finance professionals are getting a little bit more comfortable with the cloud, uh, you know, mostly because most of the stuff that we do today, even with uh, Microsoft, since we mentioned Microsoft, you know, uh, we have OneDrive, we put our files out on the cloud. So I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable with putting financial information in the cloud, but still, I mean, there are still people that are, um, I would say over 35. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm one of them, so I'm over 35, but- You um, too, just barely. <laughs> just barely, yeah, I was just, just kind of a <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, getting information there is getting a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, part of it is that, you know, uh, I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable with all our technology that's now available via the cloud. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, I definitely don't see as much pushback as I had in the past. But, you know, there are still customers that, you know, still are a little apprehensive. And it's usually the finance groups. You know, it's not other areas. But I'd love to see what my colleagues have to say. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Interesting. Somebody mentioned, it, well, we talked about it's all comes down to people, but there is a culture 
right? There's a culture Absolutely. change. Where is your data? Who Who is minding the store? Who's guarding the door? Who else can see it, get to it? Do we trust it? Do we know where it is? Can we get to it when we want it? So many questions. Jeff Hattendorf, you're right now sitting virtually and virtuously next to Mr. Conrad. <laughs> so why don't you chime in, agree or disagree? <laughs> Jeff is looking around. Where's Floyd? Where's Floyd? Look up, Jeff. Look up. I'll look he's down. Right, oh. He's right there. Je- Jeff, go ahead. <laughs> I was trying to get my Brady Bunch opening monologue going. Exactly. <laughs> agree or disagree? So, Go ahead. <laughs> so I, I generally agree that it's been a concern. What I've found the last, I don't know, it's probably two years or so, it, it doesn't come up very often. And maybe we've simply become numb to the number of hacks and break-ins. And I saw the day that there's some new patch from Apple because uh, – ah. There's a there's a, a code that, written by the Israelis of all people that will let people control your phone and see what what's going on on any of your Apple devices without you ever knowing, and it doesn't require a click or a download. So we've become numb to that. I will say that I have a teenager and a college kid. Their entire lives, everything they own is somewhere in the cloud, and that's just life for them. They don't know anything differently. I still have a hard drive that's stored in a safe that is pictures from going back that have all got digitized going back for our family for generations. And I'm thinking maybe I should put that in the cloud. And I'm a little bit hesitant because I grew up with Skynet and Terminator and HAL and the computers take over when the computers write their own code. It makes me nervous. Yet I still ask Siri to help me wake up in the morning and I ask Alexa to, you know, order things for me from, from the store. And it's, it, I, I live in this dyssynchronous world. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, well, we're just going to leave a lot of that on the table. Let's go to Hans. Hans, agree or disagree with anything? With what no, no, started out with. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely. I, th- I think, um, um, yeah, par- partially agree or if not fully agree with um, Floyd to start off with. Um, yes, there's still a reticence in terms of adoption of um, cloud technology. But I think that's mostly due to Uh, miseducation or lack of education Mm -hmm. around cloud and cloud systems um, and all the benefit that it brings. What I find is with newer clients and startup, that's not a problem at all. You know, they will be like this to go on cloud. It's much more with the traditional, the bigger clients uh, where, you know, they are very uh, much, you know, like to see where it is. It's next to them in their data center rather than in cloud. But of course, you know, all the benefits that comes with it, scalability, costs, and everything else, once you take them through it, hopefully it starts to break down the um, barriers, which is why we're seeing more and more adoption now. Um, I think, uh, again, Jeff, um, to your point there, um, education, education for you, my friend. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. Look, I, you know, we all we all like that until a few years, all, all, all my pictures and stuff were on one of my uh, laptops until I, you know, finally adopted iPhone, which was probably when um, uh, Messenger, um, what did we used to call it, uh, went out of business and then change phone completely to iPhone. And then straight away, you know, the, the memory was not enough. What do you do? You buy into Apple iCloud. So, right. you know, without even knowing you've adopted the technology. So, um, and guess what? Hassle-free. So, yeah. Very good points about pictures. I'm, I'm thinking that when I, I still do some design work in Photoshop, which isn't just buy the Photoshop app for the, 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 in the big box that used to come in, uh, I can't tell you the thousands of dollars I spent on, on creative apps, Adobe Illustrator. Oh my goodness, what was that? $900 to buy. But now it's called Creative Cloud and, and I right. subscribe for $10 a month and I get a whole suite. But when I go to save a document or a design, a layout, it says, do you want to save to this computer or the cloud it still gives me that choice which is interesting and i find mostly i save it to this computer hope i have big enough storage and i'm gonna run out any day now all of these videos i save from the radio shows are enormous from zoom so i have to go clean that out yes and i learned the hard way that if you save the videos to the zoom cloud they make you clean it out once a week if you exceed one gigabyte you know how fast you pile up that's easy (laughs) and so i changed to save to my hard drive every all of these shows are saved to my hard drive because i know i will be able to find them and they're not going to disappear in five days so i had to make that switch about a year ago very interesting great topic thank you very much let's 
move on. We have time for one more topic. I want to sneak in something here from Jeff Hattendorf. Statement number two. Jeff says, it's nonsensical to rely upon human understanding in the modern world of big data. Yet it's what we continue to do. Our minds are capable of tremendous things, but truly understanding and leveraging big data is not one of them. Jeff, haven't we evolved enough to understand big data? Where are we as a species? Talk to me. (laughs) All right, so we can understand big data. We can understand how the cosmos came to be. We can understand little bitty particles that we can't see, but we can theorize about. What we can't do is find patterns in 175 zettabytes, a trillion gigabytes of data. It's, it's, it, our, our minds aren't, don't operate that way. It's, in, it's inefficient for us. So according to IDC, in the next five years, we're going to create and store more data than has been created and stored in the history of the digital age to this point. Interesting. Thank you very much. And you know what I'm going to do? Instead of going around the table on that one, I'm going to introduce a quick topic from each of the other panelists just to get some more some more texture into this. So Hans, I'm looking at statement number two. I'm just going to read the first two lines. This is interesting. You say, we live in a world of uncertainties and COVID-19 has definitely put things into perspective. So many organizations not being able to react in time and went out of business. This is where scenario planning is key for organizations. Hans, can you give us a little overview of scenario? planning please yeah no absolutely i think um um through covid we've seen how the world's just change overnight you know everywhere lockdown i mean lockdown has just carried on and continued into various different uh morphosis or, or whatever you want to call it um just speaking to some colleagues in australia and sydney has been in lockdown for 12 weeks now um whereas in the uk we We've opened up all borders almost and everything else. So I think we've seen why scenario planning is, is so important. What is great to see from um, uh, this survey from SAP and FPNA Trends is that the adoption has increased as well over the last year compared to 2020, uh, where it was 32%. Um, I think what we need to do is to just make sure that, you know, all of the scenario planning that we're doing is driver-based, based on key drivers that are moving the business, um, and also head to making it real-time rather than, again, Jeff, Excel, you know, which will take forever and is full and is, uh, um, you know, it's not reliable and everything else. So, again, we used to, we need to move it to platforms. Thank you very much. And I picked statement number four for Floyd. Let's take about two minutes and then we're going to see if we can do a quick crystal ball predictions on if we meet again one year from today. All right. End of 2022, would we still be talking about value add for FBNA? So Floyd, quickly, your statement is there are a lot of new topics. Finance has to deal with extended planning, business intelligence and predictive. Adding these into the planning process will take time, but the benefit will be worth the time invested. Just a quick overview, Floyd. Sure. Uh, Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, What I was thinking about here is that, you know, right now, finance has a lot of information being thrown at them. You know, one of the concepts here is around extended planning. And that's really just talking about, you know, connecting the operations into the overall financial planning process. So, you know, it's not as easy. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if I look at a P&L statement, I see salary as a line, you know, uh, my C- CFO or maybe my CEO might be asking me, like, you know, why is salary so high? And um, I need to be able to drill into that and be able to kind of validate and, you know, see if it's because we're increasing our headcount. You know, is it because of our headcount plans? Is it we're giving too big of, you know, bonuses, whatever, you know, you need to be able to go through and um, figure out all that information. And the other thing, too, is around predictive. And I think uh, Jeff had mentioned this in his first statement. You know, if we use artificial intelligence to go through, you know, this data, you know, maybe it can help validate some of our key drivers. You know, one of the things that I do conduct workshops with our customers and in our workshop, we use artificial intelligence to go and come up with uh, employee churn. Right. So we can go through and look at all that information that's sitting in HR and come up with better drivers that we have, you know, help validate uh, the drivers that, you know, we're using in our plan right now. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen, for allowing me to do that quick once around. I wanted to fit in a lot more, more topics to get more texture in. These might be part two of this topic. Let's go around the table. I've got four minutes left till the end of the show. I'm giving you each 60 seconds. I know that's going to be tough. Prediction, one year from today, if we, if we met again, would we still be talking about the need for cloud, the need for AI and ML, the need for expanded getting away from spreadsheets in FP&A, and where are we heading? <coughs> Jeff Hattendorf, 60 seconds, what's your prediction? We will absolutely still be talking about almost all of these things, dis despite my Dis disjointed existence with the cloud. The cloud is ubiquitous. It's everywhere at this point. And I, I don't believe that's going to be an issue for FP&A or accounting or the office of the CFO. The issue will continue to be, we have, and, and I credit IBM for this. This is from their study. 80% of the data that the business has is dark. You can't really get to Gartner's vision of XP&A until you begin to explore that data and it takes AI. It's a journey, it's not a destination. And, and you have to start that journey by putting that first piece of paving stone in the, in, the, in the road to build that road. It will still be an issue, but it should be less of an issue for those companies that have some vision and the will to get started. Thank you. Hans, 45 seconds. Go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will go back into AI and ML, and uh, I predict that uh, you know adoption will be a lot higher, but also software vendors will start to include these in their products, which will make it more accessible and easier for uh, organization to be able to use this tool, whereby you know less reliance on, uh, a more reliance on data, data is really good, and then we can go away and do the value add stuff. Thank you. Floyd Conrad, last word. Go ahead. One minute. All right. Thanks. Um, I definitely think we will come back and talk about most of the topics. I agree with Jeff. I think cloud is probably less of a, you know, a, a thing that we need to worry about today. But, you know, I would be interested to see where the use of Excel is in a year from now. I don't think we'll see it change much. You know, um, there, there's still so many people that, you know, even below 35 that still use Excel. <laughs> what a <You> thought. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a novel concept, right? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, the younger people will gravitate more towards, you know, uh, newer technology and, you know, the concepts of artificial intelligence, machine learning. But I think in a year, you know, these topics are so, you know, disruptive sometimes in, in an organization. It still takes a lot of education. I think uh, examples like, I think it was Jeff who brought up uh, Microsoft, or maybe it was Hans. But yeah. Thank you. Change management, education, inspiration, right? Integration of skills, trying to get everybody on board to look ahead to the future. Great topic. Thank you again so much to our sponsors, Chris Grundy at SAP, Birgit Starmans at SAP, Pras Chatterjee at SAP, the Troika, the triple, triple threat team who put together these shows. Thank you for sponsoring 10 seasons. Oh, my goodness gracious. And still one of our most popular shows. Jeff Hattendorf, come back anytime. I know you will. You just keep bouncing back on us because you just have so much to say. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hans Gobin, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. And thank you for contributing your insights and your great value of expertise to our topic. And Floyd Conrad, thank you for letting me call you Freud. I think I think a couple okay. of your comments deserve <laughs> that. It's wonderful to see you. I, I appreciate all three of you so much uh, for sharing your insights and your expertise and also for your great camaraderie in making this. Who knew you could talk about finance and actually have fun? Uh, can you imagine that's that's is that revolutionary or evolutionary? I don't know. I want to do a shout out to my engineer Aaron Keller at Voice America World Talk Radio. Stick around, panel. I want to take pictures. Everybody, wave goodbye. Bye bye, Bonnie D. Saying bye bye from bye. Financial Excellence. See you next time. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.